Hello, my name is Beth Kaiser. I'm a director at CFA Institute for the Investment Performance Standards. I'm here today with John Meyer, Managing Director of Strategic Investment Solutions, and we're going to talk about the new guidance statement that's just been released, the guidance statement on the applicability of the gift standards to asset owners. Welcome, John. Thank you. Can you explain why it was important to create new GIPS guidance for asset owners? In the past, asset owners have always wanted to provide a, you know, a global standard of reporting and uh, calculation of their performance to, uh, say, interested parties of, of their funds. And they've, the, the current GIPS standards and, and were always a possibility for them, but it, they were generally created for uh, investment managers. And so I think uh, uh, asset owners weren't exactly sure how they could apply those standards to, to what they needed to do for their boards. And in this guidance statement, a lot you know, gives them the roadmap to be able to say, okay, here's how we can take our, our performance and report it to interested parties with you know, the, I would say the gold star of, of the standards used, that they're used globally. Don't asset owners generally outsource their investment management to outside managers and then ask the managers to claim GIPS compliance? Uh, now you're saying that the asset owners themselves will claim compliance with GIPS? I think that's one of the, the, the good things about the standards is now um, asset owners have preferred to do business with, with investment managers that claim compliance. Uh, and, in, and when they do that, they also have realized that they would like to be able to do the same thing, claim compliance to their, to their boards um, and utilize best practices. Uh, but now they actually will now have a common set of, of, of terminology to use so that they can communicate, hey, we're, we're GIPS compliant, uh, you're GIPS compliant, that's a good thing. And actually the next step is if the asset owner is GIPS compliant and the investment manager is not, we're hoping that's going to be a, a positive effect on the industry as well. What are the benefits to asset owners claiming compliance with the GIPS standards? At the top of the, the guidance statement, it gives a list of, of, uh, of the benefits. Uh, primary being, you know, voluntary commitment to following a global standard, which is great. Uh, adherence to best practices for calculating performance and valuing of assets. And finally, a commitment to uh, consistent transparency and comparable across a number of asset owners, which you see in the press today. Everybody's saying, well, this is my performance and this is my performance, and now we'll have a, a great uh, way of comparing across all the, all the asset owners. That's great. So what do we mean by the term asset owners? Who's this guidance statement meant for? It's meant for organizations like pension funds, endowments, foundations, insurance companies, sovereign wealth, just generally any organization that may not manage money themselves, but is responsible for a pool of assets than typically reporting to some oversight board. What are the benefits to the industry for asset owners claiming compliance with GIPS? Asset owners are typically the leaders of the industry and processes or uh, standards that they adopt uh, become 
standards for everybody else that wants to do business with them and follows them their lead. So my hope and expectation is as more and more asset owners become GIPS compliant, they will expect the same from all of their, their vendors. And so I would expect that uh, this would propagate through the entire industry as more and more uh, managers across asset class investment strategies become GIPS compliant and just increases the awareness of the ethical and consistency approach that's recommended by GIPS. Are there new requirements for asset owners in this guidance statement? I wouldn't say that there's uh, any new requirements. There's just nuances to the, the existing requirements. Uh, one of the big differences, an asset owner typically does not have prospective clients. So you've got the compliant presentation that for traditional managers, investment managers, goes to prospective clients. Well, if you don't have prospective clients, what do you do with this uh, presentation? We've decided that it was most appropriate for that uh, compliant presentation to be pr- provided to the oversight board. So that's the one one change. The other uh, probably big change that will be noticed is in the the returns. Are they net or gross of fees? In uh, the the current standards, an investment manager can provide returns either net or gross. Uh, we felt it was most appropriate for asset owners to be reporting their returns. Uh, net of fees, so it's, uh, the only requirement is a net of fees calculation, but it's net of everything. It's net of investment management fees, custody costs, anything uh, that the, the asset owner has to pay to manage the fund. So it also includes internal staff, custody costs. Uh, all those all-in costs, if you were going to start a fund from scratch, how much would it cost you to, to manage this portfolio? Are you anticipating that a lot of asset owners will now begin to claim compliance with the GIP standards? I hope so, and I really believe that this will be widely accepted. Uh, asset owners for years have been asking for a way of, of saying, hey, we're using industry standards. So we've given them uh, that guidance so that they can do that. I you know, sincerely uh, hope that it becomes widely accepted. Copyright 2014 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.